you know, for a lot of families, like it's really – like a drought of this calibre is really going to sort a lot of people out, like unfortunately, because, you know, no one sort of budgets for a drought to go on for this long and it, and it has gone on for this long and it is still continuing. So until that – until there is you know, drought breaking or flooding rains, well, well, the situation looks pretty grim. In this episode, we sit down with Dennis Rush, a farmer and grazier from Texas, Queensland, on the banks of the Jumeric River. Earlier this year, Dennis went viral with a raw and emotionally charged video about how the negative portrayal in the media was affecting rural and remote communities right across the country. In this episode, we speak to Dennis about the importance of a strong community in rural Australia, looking out for yourself and your neighbours in tough times, outlook for the next generation of young Aussie farmers, and just how many counterfeits Dennis has had at the Texas Stockman Hotel. But first, here's a quick word about our sponsors who make this podcast possible. Trademutt's 120 Grit podcast is brought to you by QuoteSpec. QuoteSpec is the newest building and construction quoting app created and designed by a working builder. Produce job-winning professional quotes in minutes with QuoteSpec's cloud-based quoting software. Get your free trial at www.quotespec.com and be prepared to get your life back. Welcome to Trademutt's 120 Grit, uh, episode five. We are lucky enough to be here with uh, one of our good mates, Dennis Rush, a uh, local hero in Texas, Queensland. (laughs) Local king. (laughs) Dennis, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks, boys. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you. Well, it's uh, it's funny. Dennis walked in here about five minutes ago. I never heard of a podcast, so uh, it's going to be an interesting little chat. What What do you do in the in the tractor then? If you don't listen to podcasts, oh mate, well, there's a number of things you can do, but one of the main things is listen to the music and the wireless and and just uh, Alan see, Jones. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> see where the spare time take, takes you after that, you know. So, Dennis, uh, let's get a bit of a background on you. You are, yeah, as I said, from Texas, Queensland. Whereabouts is Texas? Yeah, so Texas is, if you should know where it is, but if you don't, it's on the New <laughs> South Wales-Queensland border. Um, it's about oh, 250 uh, nautical miles off the east coast of, uh, of Australia, but um, it's a good little town, 700 people in Texas, and, uh, you know, an hour west of us is Gundawindi, uh, an hour south in Varel, you know, Toowoomba's a couple of hours to the north, so we're pretty centrally located amongst some uh, good-sized towns and it's a good little area to live in, yeah. I know Gundawindi, I shot my first pig there. Straight in the arse. Thank you, Cam and Tom Cranny. <laughs> Shout out to the Show Nomans. me how that's done. <laughs> good hogging country, very, very good hogging country. So, mate, uh, your family property, uh, Hopewood, uh, has been in the family for a long time. 114 years it has been in the family, so which is so we know the area fairly well. We know a block of dirt fairly well, yeah, so... Yeah, yeah. And you, uh, you you run that place now by yourself? Yeah, mate. Yeah, I came home, so I'm 25 years old now, and I came home when I was 19 uh, or just, just about to turn 20, and I've been there ever since and probably enjoying it now as much as I ever have. And as as bad as the drought is, is you know, there's plenty of good times in between. But uh, life on the land is definitely uh, a good place to be if it's where you want to be, yeah. So you said Hopewood? Hopewood's the name of the property? Hopewood, that's right. What do you do out there? Uh, mate, we grow a sort of a, you know, we're, even this year we're experimenting and growing a few green beans, uh, cotton. Uh, we've done a lot of cattle in the past. We've been predominantly nearly all cattle for, for you know, forever basically and we're only just sort of coming to a bit of a transition of, of a cropping phase now. So, it'll, uh, you know, we're sort of excited to see where that takes us in the future. But, um, 
yeah, like I, I think our, our country being far enough east, you know, in, in the future we're probably going to, you know, be looking at probably horticultural side of things as well as cotton uh, production and, and beef. How are the beans going? Oh, mate. Have you, have you been inspired by old mate over here, oh, have you? I think old bean himself. <laughs> uh, but no, no, look, we haven't grown beans yet, but we've just uh, we've just confirmed actually today that we're going to grow some beans this year. So Thank that'll God. be an interesting little journey. So it'll be good. Yeah, awesome. I, um, yeah, I mean, I have these conversations with, with you boys particularly because I'm a city kid, as we know. Um, so the whole conversation around, you know, what happens out on the land is super, you know, foreign to me or has been. So you try to keep up with the conversation, but it's, it's another world. But I, um, certainly awesome to hear about because, um, yeah, it's just sort of things you're not exposed to in the city and it's just a completely different lifestyle, you know? Um, what do you, uh, Real strong sense of community I get out in the bush when I when I go out there. We've oh. just been out to Roma and like the, the you know sense of community out there is phenomenal. Um, they're super super welcoming. And everyone knows each other, which is you know really really fresh. I think, mate, like when, especially when you get into little country towns, that's that, that's what sort of gives you a bit of pride in the country town you're living in. You know, at, at, at that time, because um, you know it, like your community's everything when you're in the west. You know, it's it's your well, it's your social life. You know, it's your it's your it's your sporting life, and um, it's your family life. A lot of the time as well, getting to gr- uh, together with groups of people, and um, you know, on that side of the things, you know, it's it's a great, that's what makes it such a great place to live. And um, when you get around all these little uh, small communities, and uh, and you spend more time in them, you you start to really understand what the bush is about. You know. So you said um, back back onto Hopewood when you were nineteen. So where'd you go to school? Toowoomba Grammar School for uh, for five years. Met some uh, pretty fair dinkum fellas at Toowoomba Grammar too. So and uh, a churchy boy here beside me that I met through other grammar mates of mine. So it's been a it's been a good networking process. So you had boarding school, obviously. Boarding school for five years. Yeah. How, how'd you find that? Uh, mate, I liked boarding school. Like in general, like it, you know, that's that's where it all started for me. Like because when you're in a little country town, you know, you don't. Like I think I had 15 in my class. So when you're going from 15 in your class to 170, 80 boys, it's a big step up, and it's a you know it, you branch out and meet a lot of people, and and you you know it gives you an opportunity to really meet uh, very like-minded people, and uh, and that's where it sort of all started for me. Like the love of the land, you know, the the good friendships that I've built with 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 fellas like yourselves is is all sort of stemmed from from the boarding school life. Yeah, it's a good, it's definitely a good network of people. There's no doubt about that from boarding school. Um, and I suppose, you know, touching on that, coming out of that environment and then going back out to, to Hopewood, did you feel a, a bit of isolation or? Yeah, you do. Even even, even at the moment, like you, you get uh, periods of, you know, where you feel a little bit isolated, especially like I live by myself in Hopewood. So, you know, there's a few nights there during the week where you're sort of sitting back watching a bit of TV and it's fairly quiet. And, a few soap you know, you, you're coping up, you're coping up with a bit of isolation, but, you know. There's been uh, there's been a lot of Saturday nights in the past where I haven't been that isolated, so uh, <laughs> so uh, that sort of makes up for the quiet times. Of course, of course. So run us through what is going on out there at the moment. I mean, there's mixed reports. I mean, middle of last year there was total catastrophe going on out west. Um, there was get, it was a lot of hype in the media, and sort of it's been well almost dead quiet ever since. So what is the update out at West? Well, things have sort of gone, they've basically gone from bad to worse and that's, you know, that, that's the only way you can, 
you can sort of look at it at the moment. You know, like we're in, it's been confirmed we're in the worst drought uh, recorded in the Murray Darling Basin itself. Obviously, there's northern parts of Queensland and western parts of Queensland through the Channel Country that have had some good rain this year, which has been good to sort of to spread cattle numbers around and, and give cattle and sheep places to go. But just in general, you know, like the outlook at the moment's pretty ordinary. Uh, you know, their their forecasting's you know dry weather throughout the throughout the spring. And um and you know and and it's certainly a worry for a lot of people like because you know there's there's cotton growers you know with with uh, you know not a lot to look forward to I suppose you could say you know there's not going to be next to no water allocation out of uh, out of any out of any parts of the nor- uh, the northern parts of the Murray Darling Basin uh, which is going to take a massive effect on communities you know like Moree Gundawindi Gunnedah Narrabri like all big centres big cotton growing areas like. You know that's it takes a lot of money away from uh, from those communities, but you know just in general, like I think you know for a lot of families, like it's really like a drought of this caliber is really going to sort a lot of people out. Like unfortunately, because you know no one sort of budgets for a drought to go on for this long, and it and it has gone on for this long, and it is still continuing. So until that until there is you know, drought breaking or flooding rains, will will the situation looks pretty grim. But um, but look, I, I think I think on a whole, like uh, you know, the Queensland, New South Wales, like the the country people on a whole, like have have coped with it extremely well. Like you know, you still hear a lot of positivity. You hear a lot of good things around you know events and people saying oh, it'll rain eventually. Don't worry about it. We'll come through it. So I think as a community, like uh, especially in the Texas area, Gundawindi area, where I spend a lot of my time, like uh, you know, as bad as things are, people are people are still uh, are still going strong. That um, Murray-Darling Basin area that you're talking about, is that primarily cotton-growing country, is it? Or? Oh, it's a range of different th- – uh, <laughs> well, it holds a range of different agricultural sort of uh, aspects, like it's – cotton-growing is probably the predominant crop in the west uh, – but you know, in the in the eastern parts of the the Murray Darling Basin, you know, you, you're you're in horticulture, cattle, sheep, everything. It, it it holds everything. But obviously, you know, for for major water holders in the west, well, well, cotton is definitely the the go to crop because just because of because uh, of the return. It's, yeah, it's um, quite diverse. It's amazing. Like, yeah, I find it just incredible because everyone is like, you know, praying for rain, right? Praying for rain, praying for rain, and then we see what happened. You know, earlier was it this year that big, that yeah, big massive rain event well, we, came down. We were we were at the we were, Eddie, yeah, Eddie's exa- Bucks at the start yeah, of it. Remember, that's right? We went up for what was it three, three or four three days, four days there for a fortnight. Oh, three or four days deep sea fishing and I'm caught not, bloody four days of wind, wasn't it? <laughs> I'm not too sure that I remember that. Trip. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that was the beginning of it. Yeah, exactly right. But um, yeah, everyone's praying for rain, but you know, no one's saying just give us the right amount. That yeah, our cattle doesn't get washed away. You know what I mean? It's well, that's the hardest thing about agriculture, and you'll be able to touch on this, Dennis. Is that no matter how good operator you are, and you know, no matter how good a budgeter you are, and livestock handler, or you know, cropper, if it doesn't rain, she's kaput. That's right. Yeah, no country's any good if it doesn't rain. Exactly. That's what people say. Like you know, and, and that's that's a frightening thing about you know a lot of the good country around, especially you know around the the Moorishire, and that sort of thing. Some of the best. Country in Australia, you know, like, well, no country's any good if it doesn't rain. And, and um, you know, until it rains again, we won't see how good it is. Yeah. I, just, I remember, like, in the early 2000s when we were in drought, 
And I just sort of thinking like, what? Like, at what point are they going to build a like a big pipeline or something? Like, yeah. Or why haven't they done that yet? Like, why well, haven't they done like a big pipeline from some of the, you know, coastal cities? I wouldn't have a clue how it would work, but yeah. just to get you know shift like, water out there somehow. I, I hear what you're saying, and like, and, and a lot of people don't really think like that, Dan, because I, as you touched on it earlier, like I, I think a lot of people don't really know. You know, they don't really know what's going on in the West, and 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 you know when. You, you know, as a country, is Australia really going to go for another hundred years without building another water storage facility somewhere? Like, I think you know, it's time that you know for Australia to to start looking at some development. Well, they reckon what by the time in by two thousand and fifty, I think this is what I've heard that our population is expected to be doubled. Oh, that, exactly. that it is, and now that's only going to put you know, further strain and stress on you know what is an already you know under stress agricultural industry. Absolutely, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, like it's just, and, and you know, that's just an Australia doubling in size. You know, like, like what about our Asian markets or or uh, the European markets? You know, like the 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 globe is growing at such a huge pace. Well, I think all agriculture all all over the world is going to have to really, you know, dig in and say where can we develop and where can we, you know, increase our capacities because you know unless we do, well, well, what's going to happen? You know, where are we going to go? So I, I think Australia is a, is a country of huge agricultural potential, and I don't think we've quite tapped into that yet. I think we've we hold uh, some of the best farmers in the world, but I think uh, I think we've got a long way to go until we come become a a really powerful agricultural so, nation. So yeah. with, with regards to you know the potential strain or requirements that you know that we're going to need to be able to you know cater to you know the growing population. What's the, I guess, the future sort of looking like at the minute with regards to, you know, retaining young farmers and young, you know, young well, agricultural? Well, one difficult side of things that I can see looking from the outside in at the moment especially is because, you know, like agricultural country now is is, uh, is becoming so expensive. It's it's so hard for, for, for young people to get an opportunity to buy in. Yeah, sixty percent equity. Exactly, like, in there. You know, and and and, I, and I've got some mates that are, you know, have got all the ability in the world when it comes to farming or cattle or or whatnot. But but you know, are lacking that opportunity. And, yeah. and you know, it's just it's and it's purely based on a financial opportunity because, yeah. you know, and unfortunately that that puts a bit of a barrier on a lot of young blokes in the West is is that financial side of things of of, of trying to get in, but. Um, you know, I, I think it's a bit of a case at the moment. Where the bigger sort of getting bigger, and um, the smaller family operations are, uh, are um, you know, find coming to the financial pressures a bit. That's right. Yeah, yeah find it a little bit harder to to expand, especially when you get a hold up of a of a drought like this over over a period of time. So you're still on a you're a family owned um, block, as you as you explained. So I'm interested to know what the I guess what your general feeling is like when you finish school. You know, there's so many different options, I guess, nowadays. But did you, I guess, were you always going to go back and work on the property or did you sort of? You well, know? I sort of, I always had the love for the land. Uh, it was always, it was always in me and, I, you know, deep down I always knew I was going to go back. But um, my uh, my father passed away when I was 15. And uh, so at that stage, he leased the property out for 10 years. So I'd, I wasn't supposed to be coming back home until I was 25. But anyway, with with a lease agreement and that sort of all all fell through at the agent gave me an opportunity to come home come home a bit uh, younger so I obviously jumped at that so I jumped at that opportunity and and uh, and sort of ran with it so that happened when you were 15 you lost your old boy so yeah that so sort of changed your sort of changed your your, out, your outlook or your prospects I guess yeah it just you know like I suppose dad didn't want didn't want me uh 
to come home. I spoke like you know, looking if if my old man was still alive, well, I would doubt I would have been home before I was twenty five. So, so uh, you know, maybe everything happens for a reason. It's given me an opportunity to come home younger and really have a go from and and you know make a lot of mistakes in my younger years rather than my later years. So. Made a few, have you? Oh yeah, yeah. And you got to admit to that. But oh, you know, I've made I've made probably more mistakes and I've made good decisions. But it's all part of learning. Just Character as long as you don't man. make that that, 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 that mistake twice, twice. So, or, or definitely not three times. And, yeah, it's a worry than three times. I think I've, I think I may have made a couple twice. <laughs> <laughs> so um, run us through the the press you felt, mate, you know, like you, obviously losing your old man was massive, you know, and how did you deal, how did you deal with that firstly? Uh, mate, it was, a, it was a hard period of my life. Like it was a, it was a feeling of, of probably a little bit of emptiness and, uh, and especially these days, you know, like you, you, when you're sort of forced to make decisions and a lot of the time they've got to be quick decisions, you know, like you, you think a lot of the time, geez, it'd be good to, to have someone there that you could sort of look over your shoulder and say, well, what do you think or, or ask your opinion on that? So you, I sort of work on a lot of the time, I work on a gut feeling and make decisions off that. And, and but, you know, it, it was a hard period, but... But, you know, you don't have to look far to find people, you know, worse off than you. I had a great father for 15 years of my life and, and you know, I'll always remember that. And uh, and I've got a very good family. And, uh, you know, so in that sort of thing, I can't complain. And, 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 you know, a lot of people go through, you know, what I went through as a young fella. But um, it certainly was hard. But uh, but moving forward now, you know, it's uh, – I'm, I'm feeling very good about everything. That's great news. I mean, that's a yeah, that's that's good positive mindset to have. So, um, can I just without your uh, so having lost your father, obviously that's you know super hard to go through. Um, but then your, I mean, I've had chats with you before. You've told me about your your mum and how she's a you know quite a strong businesswoman. Um, so I guess she's obviously sort of become you know she's definitely nurtured me along the way, yeah. and, and and you know that's that's been. I've been very lucky to have my mother because mum's a bloody goer and, you know, she'll stick a hand up for most things as well and we're sort of people that like to try something different every now and then or, or sometimes all the time. You know, got to put, gotta put yourself out there, mate, don't you? That's have a look right. at this. That's <laughs> right. That's right. You know, mum owns a local pub in town too, so... um I, uh, I've spent <laughs> I've spent a lot of time at the Stockman Hotel in Texas, and you know it's given me a good opportunity to spend a lot of time in the community. Jeez, you must have run up a fair tab there. What is I, it still I, going? When's the last often, time you've, when I you've I last time say, squared it? I reckon I've had more counterfeeds than anyone else in Queensland for a man that's twenty five, and is only eighty five kilos too. So. I've, Jeez, no you must doubt. be you must be working hard or what? Phenomenal metabolism, yeah, mate. <laughs> oh, Rushy, mate. Um, Tell us about so uh, touching back on my bucks party the night we got after we got back from uh, my bucks party there was a viral video of you that went all across Facebook and social media mate hang on it, it, got, ma- it made it made the pro didn't nah, make the, pro- the project it it they never news. called you the, back the project pulled the pin on me in the end because they sort of uh, I think I came in well not with an aggressive nature but <laughs> I was tell Waleed what he's missed out on yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you bad boy. <laughs> but, uh, <no. laughs> <laughs> no, man, I don't know how man will, uh, Waleed would have got along, but you can probably imagine. I think it was just the, the, that, you know, I was sort of pro-cotton grower and they were very anti-cotton grower and I think it, uh, it didn't take them that long uh, to work that out. So, so the, the project pulled the pin, but... But regardless of that, yeah, it was – look, I was just at a stage. I'd had a big four days away with, with you, Pear, and, and, you know, just the media, the, the, the strapping we were getting in the media and the time I was just like, well, you know – well, I, I, remember, I just felt like it was time to say something. Yeah, because well, I, I remember a conversation that you and I had 
I can't even remember what time of the morning it was, but there was no way you could sleep because the rain was nearly shooting through the tin on the yeah, roof. That's right. Um, it was absolutely coming down. Terrific so, shower, oh, I remember. It was. Yeah. It was Phenomenal. Yeah. Phenomenal. And, we, and we lay there, and I won't forget this. Honestly, it's. I told a bunch of people this. I, was, I said, Dennis was in the bed next to me. And in a separate bed next to me. <laughs> and, to clear that up. Um, we pushed them together on the last yeah. one. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I just remember your comment that, uh, you know, what a waste. It's just it's just running straight off the roof and into the ocean and it's gone nowhere. nowhere. And, yeah. it's just, and it's just gone. And we had some conversations as well about, you know, you were explaining to me a lot of the things that were going on in the media, how – country rural people being represented and I was yeah. explaining to you the fact that, you know, being that I'm a, I'm a city kid, it's so hard to actually grasp, you know, what, what's going on out there. Yep. And yeah, after that trip, you, you, you came back and you set up your, your, your camera phone and you, and you sat there and you, and you, and you poured your heart out. And, and that's, and that's at the end of the day, that's what it was, Dan, to be honest. Like I just felt like it was, you know, time to say something. I hadn't been really thinking about doing that movie There's at all. There's no way you would have planned for it to go viral either. No, that's right. No, I was sort of planning on touching a few of my friends just because, you know, there was just really nothing coming from, from any side of, you know, social media, you know, with, with, with young blokes trying to stick up for, for not only an industry but, you know, for where we are yeah. as, as a nation in a drought. And, like, and I think there was just a lot of misunderstanding of how critical things are. And, uh so I sort of put it together and, and, you know, I didn't write it down or anything because I did want it to be from the heart and, and, and I think that's where it probably touched people is, and it was, you know, it did come from the heart and Mate, it was I a, got it over and done with. And It was a massive hit. I mean, um, yeah, it got awesome traction and, I mean, it would have, you know, taken a fair bit of vulnerability to put that out there. I mean, kudos to you for doing it. Yeah, like it was, it was surprising, like a heck of a lot of support, like a heck of a lot of support. Still a fair bit of criticism from the video, like it was quite overwhelming, <laughs> you know, friend requests and, uh, and messages and everything was quite overwhelming. Have you caught up with any of those new friends I yet? I haven't or? caught up with any of the new <laughs> friends yet. Um, I'm, interested to, well, I'm interested to hear both sides of the feedback from, from people that saw the video, both the positive and the negative, because there are a lot of – strongly opinionated people out there um but unfortunately you know for people with a strong opinion it's very hard for them to see things from an objective point of view and kind of see things from both sides and unless you've lived it i guess you can't really understand it and i would argue that maybe you're not well informed to argue Mm. on it either if you if you haven't sort of been in the thick of it yeah yeah. What were some of those? Yeah. What, what was some of the feedback like? Maybe start with maybe start with some of those negative things, so we can swing it back around with the positives. <laughs> no, well, like just the neg- Some of the things that uh, people touched on were, you know, just people obviously jumping to conclusions, saying, "Oh, you're just a thirsty cotton grower yourself," and <laughs> and you know that sort of thing, which is, you know, I cop that in the chin, but at the same time, you know, I I know what 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 most of the farming families are like along the Murray-Darling, you know, that they're, they're good-hearted families growing cotton, at, you know, for a passion and, and, and for a living. You know, definitely not criminals. Like, and, and, that, and that's the way that some of them are represented. They so, are made out to be like that sometimes, aren't they? Well, it was. And, and that was the most disappointing thing about it. Like, I think, you know, just the misrepresentation was just, you know, disgraceful at the time. And, and, and you know, somewhat still is. I, I just think there was a lot of blame from, from areas in the South that, you know, about uh, what was happening in the north. But I think what was happening in the north is the fact that it wasn't raining. But uh, <laughs> but back to um, 
back to the negatives, yeah, people mainly just touching on the water theft issues, which were, which, you know, a lot of those water theft issues, you know, have been sort of stimulated in the media of what happened. But, you know, that that might be on two or three occasions with a number of people. One one man particularly, I think, you know, was, is going to end up going to jail. So, you know, dealt with appropriately. But um, the positives out of it were, far, you know, Far outweighed, far, yeah. far outweighed the negatives, and and I and I really realised I touched a lot of people. I had a lot of messages from, from from a lot of people, sort of you know congratulating me on the video, which was good to see. And it'd and be hard not to be touched by that video because aside from anything else, the the passion that was coming through was effortless, right? And it, and it, it was and raw, I think, and I think that really comes across. And I think yeah. Australia has got a, a low tolerance for bullshit, and mm. you know I think what felt like was coming through the through the camera on that was a, yeah, it was a young bloke really really pouring it out and quite well informed and quite articulate might I add I thought that was quite yeah, quite yeah. yes and so that's that's very engaging but almost as, as engaging with those hands that were <laughs> almost coming through the camera because we'll put know, a link got, to the I video got, below yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll I, got the, I got it off my mother the hand movement so I definitely got that off my mother I get quite excited <laughs> oh, don't worry you're preaching to the choir whatnot. mate yeah, anytime, anytime we go and talk somewhere we make Ed, Ed always yeah, will crack a joke at me because Dan does I'll get carried salmon. away and start Dan does the salmon trying, trying, yeah. to, trying to explain stuff and they'll get yeah and so now he pings me on it before I've even done it and I still sort of do yeah, it try so and hold him up a bit but um Let's talk about, again, like the sense of community. So there's a lot of, I mean, in the uh, Texas, Gundy, Inglewood region, there's a lot of sport played, you know. How important is, is local community sport, you know, for, for individuals living out west? Oh, it's massive, Rossi, you know. you've been, I think you've had one game had a couple of the yabbies yourself. Yeah, yeah. You're on my yabbies, uh, premiership player. Oh, <laughs> hang on. 2018-19 season. We won't talk, touch on that. We'll talk keep going us, on. Talk, <laughs> us through, talk us through the innings, mate. What did you do? Oh, well, it wasn't a massive innings for me. I think I got a nice 18, but very neat 18. Only four one, boundaries, only one premiership? Only one premiership, okay. but our first one in 44 years. Yeah, well, kudos to that, mate. Well I done. think I've, I think we've promised people in the Gundy Cup that we're going for 10 in a row. But, uh, <laughs> yabbies, eh? I didn't realise. How does a yabby hold a cricket bat? <laughs> Must be pretty awkward. Yeah, you can hold it. No worries holding the ball, though. I can tell yeah, you. Right, eh? yeah, right. But um, no, like Rossi, going back to where you're at, you know, just saying, like, it, that's absolutely everything in the bush. You know, our sport, like, we've got a terrific bunch of fellas that play uh, for us in Yetman. And, um, and, you know, we're, I think, 12 or 15 weeks of cricket throughout the summer. Uh, you know, it get, it gets you engaged amongst the uh, amongst the town too. You know, we go into town; it gives us a branch into our social life. You know, get gives everyone a good laugh because you know there's plenty there's plenty of weeks where blokes were turned up there this year. You know that have come that that are coming off a bloody forty five degree week with mm. with no feed, feeding cows or no water rain, and cotton, yeah, yeah. and it's and, you know it's a, and it gives you gives you a chance to you know to to relax and uh, and to break out. How, how, how are blokes, you know, out there in those situations, you know, are, are, people, are blokes seeking help, you know? are they how, how are they seeking help in these times? Well, I sort of, you know, it, it, it's funny, like, even in the, the rural side of things, you know how much people are struggling because you can look over the fence and see how much they're struggling, you know. You don't have to ask the question, you know. You know, you can see it. And, you know, and it comes back to, to what you, you, you and Dan are really trying to do with, with starting conversations because, you know, it's not something – I must say that I've talked about in private with my neighbour or, or, you know, the block two two blocks over or the family friends, you know, everyone talks about how tough it is and but but you know, 
really, you know, people need to be probably talking about how tough it is at, at night when they're lying down in bed looking at the ceiling, you know, and, and that's a big issue. And, and you know, I've had some very stressful times myself, you know, and uh, and and many of my friends are under, you know, financial pressures and, and, and pressures from, you know, seeing your stock deteriorate and seeing your country deteriorate. You know, it's a big thing. It, you know, we're talking about people's livelihoods here and, and, and you know, we're talking about families and kids and, and especially families that have, you know, that have been doing this well for a long time and they hit a period like this, you know, which, which no one's really ever experienced before and it's and things are tough, you know. Like, and, and when things get tough, you know, you know, sometimes people aren't tough enough to cop them. It's interesting um, you say that because uh, everyone, oh, everyone must know what it's, I know I certainly do, what it's like to lay in bed with your eyes open and not be able to get to sleep because you can't switch your mind off. Yeah, that's something that everyone has experienced at some point or another. But you're saying that all you got to do is look over the fence and you can see how, you know, how bad people have got it. But not, but sort of, it's sort of the elephant in the room, I guess. Or it's yeah. you're kind of not actually addressing like the you know the nitty gritty of the struggles. You're just saying, oh, yeah, you can see that you yeah. can see that they're doing it tough. They can see you're doing it tough. But we kind of just know that we're in the same boat, so we just. Kind of plod along, and you know, like there's been there's been a number of a, a number of things in town where where it's got drought stricken communities together, and it, it's just a hard one, you know. Like especially especially in my position, you know, like like I'm I'm probably as young as they come on the land, and uh, for me to go and speak to a to another cocky, you know, the neighbour who may be fifty or sixty, well, it's a little bit out of bounds for me. But but you know, I'm not saying that that's the way it should be either, because I yeah. think if you mates, you mates, but. You know, it's a, it's a little bit tough for me in that regard. So that's why I sort of haven't really broken out to really see how how other families are doing it. But, you know, I've had certain neighbours say to me before, you know, like, we, we can't do another 12 months of this. Or, or good friends of mine say, you know, I'm sick of it, you know. I want to get out, you know. Whether... I think it'll really, it'll really show when we get a, when we get a run of seasons and 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 when it does rain again and, and country comes back. I, I think we'll see the effect it has had on people because I think a lot of people will use it as the probably opportunity to sell. Yeah, you know, which is which is not what you want to see, you know, especially especially in local communities where families have been there a long time. And, and I guess that's that's what people forget, you know. And we've spoke like we've spoken to to um, you know like Nick Sutherland about mm. this like what do you you know how do you how do you help well, we get you know, the, rural yeah. people and it's hard because it's like you can't just drop tools and head home you know everything everything around you that's your land that's yeah. your income that's your whole livelihood um and you know i've seen some interesting stuff this week there was an article in the abc about a fourth generation farmer from burke i think it was who just sold up he just he was so close to taking his life he just mm. Cashed his, cashed his chips in and walked away. And, I mean, that's a huge thing to yeah. happen, you know, in a rural community for a bloke, fourth generation, the, you know, the pressures, and kudos to him for doing that. I mean, that's unbelievable. And, I mean, um, yeah, I guess people probably just don't understand the well, it, well, the, the it's lifestyle. A, it's the effect it takes on families. Like, you know, even in your case, Rossi, you know, you, you went through a stage where, you know, you, you packed up and left from home uh, for – for reasons and and you know you, the the toll it took on you knowing that you're not going to be going back to the land you know like the the, the toll it takes on young families yeah for, and especially for families that have been there a long time you know yeah. like like how did you find that you dealt with it through through your period when you were well I mean um, I don't know it was sort of yeah growing up I sort of I always wanted to go back to the bush I suppose but um, you know then when I was working out in the territory 
it was sort of like shit, you know, this it yeah, like I said before, it's no matter how good an operator you are, if it doesn't rain, you know, mm. that's that they're the cards you dealt. So I, I suppose um Majority, yeah, the, I moved back to be closer to mates because I didn't have that sense of community as much out there um, because on those big stations you're sort of stuck with who you got mm. and you can't really go down to the pub and have, mm. a, have a quiet one. So you're stuck with the little, you know, community that you have um, and I wanted to get out and meet new people and luckily met this clown. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, came back to meet new mates. <laughs> miss his mates and get you. stuck with me. But, Don't worry, mate, it goes both ways. But, <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny, mate, you know, like life, um, yeah, like your ambitions do change. Yeah. You know, like I was dead set hung up on being rural for the rest of my life, yep. you know. Yep. And even when I first met Lance, like I said, you know, I'm, I'm going to be out west pretty soon. Like you happy to be doing that? She's like, yeah, that sounds great. And now we find ourselves in a position where we're like, you know, probably the furthest we'll move past is Pittsworth somewhere or yeah. Millburn, you know. Like, I, I mean, I'll, I'll probably look at it and say, oh, I don't want to go out and put that sort of pressure on myself. I'm probably not up well, to that, that, you know. that's right too. And, and you know, I respect that, hearing that from, from other people, you know. It's a, you know, it's, it's, I'm not saying it's a tough gig in the West. Like, of course it gets tough, you know, and there's certain aspects of it that everyone loves, but, you know, it's a, it's a big call for a young man to make, especially in your position, loving what you're doing now and doing such a good job. You know, it's a big call for you to sort of, you know, look at giving half of this away or something to try something back out west. It's a, it's a fair risk at the moment, you know. Yeah, and I mean, I, I mean, I'd love to know your take on how we get more young people back out, out into rural communities. Well, you know, that's a funny thing because through time I've seen the Texas community not deteriorate so much in numbers but deteriorate in young people. You know, we going back probably six or seven years now, we had a, we had a four-team cricket comp in Texas and uh, that folded. So that's why that forced us to, to merge as Yetman and, and go over into the Gundy comp and, and we have formed again a rugby league side in Texas this year. Uh, so that was great to see to go back into the Toowoomba comp, but the Texas Terriers have been folded for for three or four years now, up until this year, and and you know that shows me that it's just a yuck, uh, you know a lack of of young people in the West because there's just not a lot of not a lot going on for young people there, like especially young women, like yeah, you know, like you're going to the Texas pub, and if you're you 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 know you're going in there to snavel a woman up for the night, she's just not going to be there. So well, I look like, at um, I look at. Uh, Young Zoe Carter, who we've had a lot to do with. Uh, I'm not sure if you if you're aware of Zoe, but she's a young, you know, female. Um, Aussie, I've seen I've seen a few things you on know, Zoe, yeah, yeah. yeah. And she, um, it, for one, is hilarious. So that's awesome. But like, she is a huge advocate for young people, and you know, particularly females, to take up, you know take up agriculture and she makes it look fun. Like she makes it look mm. awesome. Um, and I look at what she does and I think, man, that looks, that looks like a great time. Riding motorbikes, playing with animals. Chasing cattle. Rub, yeah, chasing cattle, all this sort of stuff. Like, you know, it, it does look really enjoyable, but I guess from this conversation that we're having is that there's a lot of families out there who, you know, might've been on the land for some time and they've been through shit before and they've been through financial stress and hardships before they've had the good times but they've had the bad times and I guess it must just start to wear thin after a, oh. a while and it just wears you down and down and it doesn't matter what you do whether you're a real estate agent or you know you, mm. you're in law or, or you're working out on the land like when when what you do for a living starts to grind you down and wear you down like it and it becomes a bit of a cycle well 
it's it, it wouldn't matter what you do it you'd want to get out of it you'd want to you'd mm. want to you'd need it people need a fresh start you know what i mean sometimes a change is as good as a holiday yeah that's right but what a lot of people are risking is the fact that they've been living on a family block or the, you know their land's been in the family for 114 years 114, in your case that's right yeah that's longer than I can even a lot of lifetimes and that's grandparents and that's a lot of work and blood sweat and tears that have gone into you know beers and beers (laughs) you know into into you know into that sort of into that lot and it's just like it's a hard thing to just be that be that generation that says you know what we can't do it anymore yeah because it was hard for you know, generations gone by. It's always been hard. Like, you know, it's like it's hard work. Anyone who's ever been successful in business or, you know, their their work, no matter what, has done the hard yards. That's right, yeah. But I guess when it comes to, as you know, we're talking about the fact that it's so weather dependent and rain, it's just must just come to a point where it's just like, I just cannot do this anymore. I don't know if I can go through another one. Oh, and that's, I think that's a big thing that's happening at the moment. Like I touched on it a little bit earlier. Like I, I generally think we're going to see a big move in the property market. Like, like one thing that's really going to save everyone is the pop property market is so strong. You know, like it's the strongest it's ever been, and uh, and it's continuing to to hold as well. Like, so there's there's no signs of the property market dipping, and 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 you know people are going to see that as a good opportunity to get out, because like a lot of people on the land are, are extremely asset wealthy, but probably cash poor. You know, and and. If you're sitting on a block worth five or ten million bucks and and there's not much in the bank account, well, it's a it's a pretty hard to to a little back surf up. club looks pretty good. Hell yeah, yeah, yeah. with with seven or eight million bucks cash. You know. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So Absolutely. there's there's a lot of um I guess you know um, and this again this comes from a very uneducated place, but um a lot of talk of overseas investors, particularly the Chinese, uh, buying a lot of Australian agricultural yeah. land. Um, I, I have got one little opinion on that. Like I, like I know it's a, it's a big opinion. Just a little Let's opinion. Hear it. Of, Let's a, hear it. Of a lot of people's, but I've actually read statistics before that saying foreign-owned country in Australia is actually the most consistently turned over country in uh, – in, uh, or turned over agricultural country in Australia in terms of, you know, That'll always come back on the market again. So, you know, the Chinese or, or, or an investment fund or, say, a super fund or something like that will come and buy a heap of country when they feel like the time's right. And a lot of the time you'll see, you know, in sales reports that it's, you know, a Chinese or an Indian investment company that's come in and they've been there for 15 years and then they're gone again. So I think, you know, overseas investment's always going to get that opportunity yeah, you know, or the Australian people are always going to get the opportunity to get to, back in. To get back in, but and and that's and that's a problem in Australian agriculture. I think is because you know we we need that overseas investment to a certain extent because the money's just not in Australia. You know, the the money's not in the 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 local Australian farming families. You know, we can't come up come up with you know a hundred million dollars for an aggreg uh, an aggregation somewhere. You know, in southern New South Wales or something. So, you know, I, I think I think we generally need. International investment, I don't think that's as big a worry as people sort of, you know, label it to be. But, yep. you know, that, that's my opinion anyway. Well, to sort of um, round it out, I suppose, would, how do we sort of, as a a very, you know, society that's very driven to the East Coast and you don't get any sort of information out west, how do we bridge the gap between the rural communities and the, and the you know, the big cities of, of Australia? Where is it falling down? Yeah. Like, well, I generally think, like... You know, I generally think it's got to start at the start, Rossi. Like, I, I think it's got to be some somehow included in education. You know, like, like how else? How else are we going to bridge that gap 
without the education of everyone. Yeah. You know, in our schools. There's, yeah. there's got to be – they've somehow got to figure out something in the education system, you know, to even give some people a little bit of an idea. And, and you know, not only not only in, in agriculture but I, but I believe in politics, you know. I generally think a lot of people are voting, you know, for – for Labor or Liberal because their parents have voted for Labor or Liberal for 30 or 40 years. You know, I think I think there's there's a lot of people with not enough insight into politics and into agriculture and I just think, you know, I don't know how. Like I'm not an education minister or anything, so I don't know <laughs> how to do it. Josh Frydenberg or whatever his name yeah. is. Is that Frydenberg? Well, I'm it? assuming. Well, I'm, see, yeah. I mean, I went to I went to an, an all-boys school in Sydney and I, like, mate, I, I didn't learn anything about agriculture. I wouldn't know how to grow a potato if I tripped over in a pile of dirt. But... It's something. It's grown then if you've tripped over it, you clown. <laughs> well, there you go. That's how much. That's that's where we're at. You know what I mean? So but it's like we, I, 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 didn't, I, saying, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't. Like, I didn't learn a single thing about. I mean, yeah, maybe it's the school I went to, and you know, you want to learn that sh- stuff that you can go mm. go wherever. But yeah, we're not. We're not. I learned very little about indigenous culture. And I learned very little about agriculture. Yep. Yep. Um, and you know, to be honest. You know, there's a lot of things also that I don't know about the East Coast either. So, you know, it can be a bit vice versa sometimes. It says, mate, you got about says, four buttons undone on that shirt. You're looking pretty <laughs> like you're ready to go out and show off that chest, yeah. mate. I've spent a fair bit of time on the East Coast. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, you know, it's a hard one really, you know, and you can probably talk about it all day of, of different ways, but it, but it's just a it's a really difficult one. But I just think there's got to be more backing from, from politics and politics political parties like I think that's generally where our problem starts is because I think there's too much negativity you know from certain political parties you know looking forward into agriculture in Australia and and, that, and that's just painting a, a pretty ordinary picture at the moment you know I, I just think there's a lot of opportunity that isn't being taken at the moment and, and until we can mo- take that opportunity and move forward well you know we're just at a bit of a standstill absolutely mate do you absolutely. see yourself long term Staying on the land, like, do you see this as a as a as a you know as a lifetime for you? Or I do. I, I love hope, wouldn't I? Love where we're from, but but you know, there's a certain itch inside of me that probably wants to take on something else at some stage in the future. You know, whether I can set things up at home and and uh, get myself in a position to try something else. I think everyone needs a fresh start at some point. You know, I love I love seeing the work that you and Eddie do and and uh, and the influence you've had on people. You know, and I, and, I, and I'm a similar person in you know, to you fellas, you know, I, I like saying results and good results and, and you know, I, and no one can take take away from you boys what you've achieved and, and you know, there's a certain spark in me that probably wants to, to, to in the future, I don't know what it's going to be, but that's why I'm leaving my options open because I'd, I'd love to take a path, you know, of 10 or 15 years, maybe doing something else. Mate, don't that's worry awesome, because mate. this was not on, uh, this was not on our radar, what? I don't think, when we, when we first oh. met. You know what I mean? It's maybe maybe I'll take your me. job. We had it. Oh, mate, I'll get kicked in the face by a bloody horse <laughs> as soon as we get out there. Um, that'll, be, that'll be all over. And that's the last thing I need, mate. Um, yeah. But I, I am interested to know, like, just from from yourself, like, obviously there's lots of talk about the mental health side of things, right? Yep. And <clears throat> obviously, you know, your sense of community and, you know, engagement out there is awesome and the sport and the – BNS balls and the pub and all that sort of stuff, you know, you're always running into mates. But are people out on the land aware of services or, you know, places that they can go to? Or Because, I mean, like I understand, obviously the first port of call is if you're struggling with anything is to go and see your GP. But out 
there, everyone knows the GP, right? You probably walk past them, you know, in town. It's probably your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just interested interested to know if, you know, what sort of options people have got in terms of a, you know. And do you know the options a out clinical, there? A clinical approach. You like, know, like I, I think it's another, you know, I think it's another area that's reasonably untouched. I, I, like I know a lot of cockies that probably don't know how to turn a computer on, let alone know where, where a rural you know, men's health, you know, help is. Yeah. You know, and, and, and that's an issue too. Yeah. But, you know, where do where do we start with those these people, you know? Like it's, like especially old cockies, you know, they're stuck in their ways and, you know, what, in your opinion, you know, where, where do you think we should start in, in the West? Well, it's a tough, it's definitely a tough one because it's sort of, you know, it's, they're kind of in their own category. Like, you know, we, we look at the, the, the nature of blokes and, you know, generations gone by are real tough bastards, you know. We've got generations. Tough, of, tough old bastards with ultra big egos. Oh, yeah, yeah, too, but, you know, but, and that and that's half the problem, you know. We've seen we've seen, you know, we've seen generations going through wars and all this sort mm. of stuff and that's, you know, that fought for our freedom and all this kind of thing. And so no one came back and complained about anything because we've seen what's gone on. Yeah, this is what they know, did. All yeah. around the world. So I was like, well, doesn't matter what you're going through. Doesn't matter what you know you think's going on in your head. Like we watched our mates get shot and killed. You know mm. what I mean. And it's all so that you guys can be here. So suck it up mm. because you don't know how lucky you are. But again, it's like it's all relative because if you weren't there, you don't know what it's like to go through that. So you can only you can only know what a situation or how bad a situation can be based on your own experience. And so I guess that those generations are. There's there is a changing of the guard, I think, currently because you know, unfortunately, we're seeing far too many people take their lives, and you know, I guess to a, to a certain extent, there's a real ego or or you know, sense of pride that is being questioned if someone was to you know put their hand up and address the fact that they're struggling, and you know, people just don't want to do that because their fathers before them didn't do that and, oh, and, they're, yeah. and they're not and they're not for want of a better word they're not soft cocks right like mm. that's that this is the whole thing but it's killing people and it is ruining families and you know we've got to cut the shit we're not dumb enough to we we look at you know we're so proud of say the anzac legend right and we watched the Anzac. well we didn't watch them but we know about the anzacs going to war and how innovative you know they were and ingenuity you know know how camaraderie mateship all this sort of stuff but if they saw a problem in front of them, they figured out how to fix it, mm. right? And that was their attitude. They were sharp. At the moment, the problem that is in front of us are blokes not addressing struggles with their mental health. Now, we're not dumb enough, surely, to just let that keep going without fixing it because it is an issue that's there and it needs to be addressed, right? So I just think, yeah, yeah, how can we how can we sort of keep just going the same way? Well, well, I think it's just you know we've got to start somewhere. You know, Rome was, wasn't built overnight, and and either is is, is probably a mental health organisation in the West. You know, it's it, it's it's you know you boys have made a start somewhere, and that's a big thing. And uh, and you know once we make a start and and things start to improve, well, you can just continue to build on that. And, you know, I think you, you fellas are both in, in the right direction. You know, like everyone knows about you and that's and that's the biggest thing. Well, you just said it's, it's, out it's expo- the golf, it's golf exposure, day, isn't, it? isn't it? Yeah. Oh, well, I was out and, you know, oh, the places I've seen the shirts has just been incredible. Like, well, I, could, I couldn't even name them now, but, oh, there's a group at Gundy the other day on a cotton growers day with, with the shirts on and, 
and uh, and you know that's and that's all it's been is expo- it's been exposure. And, yeah, and, yeah. Well, I mean, that, and, and that's and that's the whole point is to to like change that cultural shift and get blokes talking about it. You know oh, what I mean? Mate, like we're like, sitting here talking about it right now. I mean, there's no way our old boys would have sat around doing this, you no. know, 20, 30 years there's ago. No, and there's no way your old boys would have locked, you know, locked themselves in a toilet for 24 hours in Queen Street. Oh, they do. You know, and that, and, but, but these are the things you got to do, you know. I mean, You've got to be different to be safe. You've got to put yourself out there. Actually, having seen that, I'm surprised you decided to lock yourself in this podcast room. With yeah, that's mate. right. You know, um, I am, um, yeah, no, it's, it's interesting. So, um, I, I'd like to know, on a on a personal front, what uh, you know outside of ours, what you got, what you got coming up, or you know how you're uh, how you sort of looking after your own, you know, mental health a bit. I mean, you're saying that uh, you're about to jet off to to the states tomorrow. That's that's pretty cool. I'm jetting off to the states tomorrow for a bit of a look around. It's been heavy rain in America too, so I thought, well, it's, it's the time to go at home. There's nothing going on at home. Okay, catch a jarful. <laughs> Might go and get a jar, get a bucket full, and bring it home. But no, so look, basically, I'd you know in the next few years, I'd like to engage in probably as much travel as possible. You know, especially while I'm young, and especially while you know, think you know, we've got a good good crew of workers there at home at the moment, and it's given me an opportunity to to go and explore. And and I think that's the biggest thing about you know, especially mental health too, is is you know, not forgetting to live. You know, and and that, that's that's what droughts sort of engulf some families in is is you know the them not being able to leave. And uh, it's that overexposure of seeing the same thing every day, feeding poor cows and, and you know, going to bed at night. But, you know, maybe a good break and, and you know, to tr- to somehow get yourself out for a few weeks is, is probably possibly the best thing for you. And, you know, and, and, and I'm... You know, I try and be as social as possible, and and you know, and, I haven't and, noticed <laughs> social butterfly, and mate. have um, and have as many beers as possible with mates. You know, on a, on a regular basis, and and always but in, have mo- a good in moderation, of course, right? Definitely in moderation, responsibly, no yeah. more than four a night, and uh, and you know, and and basically keep myself sane that way. Whereabouts in the states are you headed? Well, we're sort of starting in Texas. You know, what a place to start. Tech, you're I going from Texas to Texas. Texas to Texas and, uh, you know, I can't wait to be in Texas yeah. and, uh, and and tell people I'm from Texas. But that's probably basically where we're going to start. I'm travelling with my partner at the moment so, um, and we're going to drive up to New York, so that'll be fairly exciting. Uh, where we're going to go through, we don't really know. Nashville, Tennessee is probably definitely definitely one stop, but other than that, mate, just whatever happens, happens. Oh, that'll be good, mate. Well-earned break, well-earned break. Well, uh, thanks so much for your time today, mate. It's been a pleasure, fellas. It was great to get you in finally. Mate, are you going to – can I just ask quickly, are you going to – you've got a good voice on you, right, and you've got a good – you use words well, and, you know, based on that video that, you know, you chucked out earlier this year, you know, is there any sort of – is there any sort of future for you, you know, potentially as as a bit more of a voice for... The well, voice of rural Australia. Well, I did mention to a mate of mine, Digby, there at one stage that I was going to run for Prime Minister in 2022. <laughs> but <laughs> but I'm going to keep that. I think I'm going to hold that off till maybe 2032. Is that right? the, have you just announced that? <laughs> no, that's a joke. But so, <laughs> the last thing I want to be is Prime Minister of this country. It's a hard job, mate. <laughs> but a uh, very big job. But no, look, Dan, definitely, like, I, I, that, that, and that's where, you know, I, I said to you earlier that, you know, I've got a bit of an itch to possibly do something else maybe in the future. You know, having given the right opportunity, I might I might go down a path of, 
of being some sort of voice for something. Whether, it, whether it's only over the microphone at the Texas races or not, I don't I'm know. Just talking smack for the Yetman Yabbies. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Either way. Well, mate, you might, are you gonna, you'll have to figure out what a podcast is and um, get one going look, in the tractor. Look this one this. up and listen to yourself. That's right. And you can and you can make up your decision then once you hear the, your bloody voice back through the through the radio. That's right. Right, boys. Well, thanks for your time. Thank thanks you, for coming in, mate. Good Appreciate on you. Better go and have a beer. <laughs> Sounds Bloody good, mate. All right, thank you. On ya. <laughs>